0: Welcome to Why Not Both. My name is Pam Schaefer, and I'm a musician and therapist in Los Angeles. Why Not Both is all about how our multiple passions inform our identity. And this season, we are brought to you by Under the Radar magazine and produced by Laura Studeris. If you like what you hear, please make sure to like us and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform and come spend time with us on social media. We are at w n b the podcast, and that is both on Instagram and on Twitter For this week's episode, we were thrilled to get to virtually spend some time with Perfume Genius. I hope you enjoy our interview. <gasps> Welcome to Why Not both
1: Hello. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, I can. Can you hear me?
1: Yeah, you cut out for a second there,
2: oh my God, that's see my zoom is possessed. I think it's because I use it so it's much sometimes it a just
1: computer like that would do something. oh yeah, closer
2: it's It's like lightly haunted, yeah. not seriously haunted, but just like playfully haunted.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's. <what> you're <laughs> <kind>. <laughs>
2: it's like a ghost that just does like tiny things that are absurd as opposed to anything yeah, I, love that. I
1: feel like i have a lot of that in this house
0: oh yeah where are you I'm living
1: making, i'm just making that up right now <laughs> <laughs> i'm projecting it i feel something but it could just be like i'm hungry but instead of you know thinking i'm hungry i just think there's a ghost with hunger energy in the living room <laughs> doing little hunger things
2: just planting snacks around that you find below the couch. Needs like
1: ghost treats. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I need Scooby snacks and you have ghost treats. Yeah. I feel like this is what quarantine has done to all of us. We're like, am I hungry or is it the poltergeist? Oh, for sure. <laughs> How have you been uh well, it's funny because I used to ask people like, what is it you do and uh you know, questions like that, that were normal in the before times. Now I'm like, so how's time working for you?
1: Uh, well, it's very strange. I mean, cause I released a record. So yeah. usually that involves me being very much out of the house and out in the world. And I kind of adopt a certain kind of energetic, like armor in order to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't have that now. <laughs> <But I'm still laughs> yeah. Promoting a record and performing and singing and and stuff. So it's very strange. Like I'm just home, you know, just very, very, very home for yeah. like a week, and then suddenly I'm somewhere where I'm supposed to like gyrate and sing.
2: What um, What's that like to summon that energy? Because you're doing, uh, I mean, you're doing live streaming, right? For that,
1: yeah. I mean, it's always it's always difficult, especially like if you haven't done it in a while, you don't know if it's gonna return or what. how yeah. What you did to make it even available, you know, so it's always nerve wracking. But it's even more strange when it's too, um, you know, there's no audience, and I don't know. It's nice to have context. Like we did one live stream where we we did it on a stage with lights and smoke and. Mm. Um, full band and it felt like a show there just wasn't anyone there but I you know I tried to channel that energy I was like how can I use that as fuel or make it even eerier or stranger Mm -hmm. I don't know heightened in some way but there's other situations where it just feels like I really want people there
2: I was gonna say because then in a weird way that actually does sound like genuinely haunted because you're performing to like the ghosts of the audience that you would imagine being there
1: yeah. And for that live stream, like the biggest one that we did, I tried to pick a theater that had energy. I'm talking a lot about energy today. That's okay. Um, <laughs> cool. I wanted to pick one that <laughs> had a, like a, a haunted, you know, personality <laughs> that was like an emptiness that was, um, energetic.
2: Well, yeah. Cause it's
1: different. Like, well, I was just thinking that empty CDS. actually, that would be kind of creepy.
2: That would be creepy in like a really like dystopian way.
1: Yeah, maybe that's the next one. I was trying to think of something that would be empty and have no energy. But um, I don't know, I'm too woo-woo right now. Like everything, <laughs> everything, everything I'm thinking of, oh, that's definitely has energy. So.
0: Well, what if it were a space
2: that had been built, but no one had been in it yet? Would that?
1: Yeah, maybe like a, um, a kind of like conference hall, some sort of like really condo-y hotel e conference hall
2: yeah like one of those ones that they say is eco-friendly but kind of look like someone got drunk oh. with really large yeah. legos
1: that has energy but it like gave me made me shiver a little bit in the <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> that has more like threatening aura energy <laughs> there's been a lot of those buildings going up around la where i'm just like who designed this what happened there
1: who's living in them I'm so, so like, curious I kind of about know that. Vaguely, I have like a picture in my head, but <laughs> um, yeah. It's yeah. Really strange. Especially when they don't fit in with the rest of, of the place. You
0: yes.
2: Yes. yes, because the energy, the energy of neighborhoods is so specific that it's like when you start building, like if you have like those beautiful like California bungalows from the 20s and then you build one of those things in it, it looks so weird.
1: Yeah, it's gross. Yeah, I don't get that. They're usually like really poorly built, at least like the huge condo complexes. They look really fancy, but there's something, you know, empty and like flat packy, IKEA y about it.
2: Yeah, like it has that kind of prefab look, but not in a charming way. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when you were talking about like channeling the energy of performance and the energy of spaces, it is really interesting to think of who would be in those spaces because you would know who would have been in that theater. And that's fascinating to me that you chose that theater in specific, by the way, when you were talking about that, I was like, oh, cause that's <laughs> one of the problems. I don't know if you have this when you're watching live streams but sometimes I like, I don't have the context for where someone's performing or like that's actually why I haven't live streamed at all is that like my context would be like in my living room Right. Um, And I'm like, uh, I don't know if that's a context that I want to perform in.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: It's just, it's, it, it's very, I don't know. I guess if I had like a separate space in my home that I could, I would do that. But then yet again, it's imbued with different energy.
1: Yeah. Or just like a, some sort of separation and um, any kind of separation really. And it's just hard to conjure that up when I feel so like homebound and so like, um, you know just hanging out with my dog. I mean, I'm doing a lot of other weird shit too, but it's like home shit for <laughs> work.
2: <laughs> can I talk on the podcast all about your dog? Do people <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I want to know more about your dog, but also what are you doing at home? <laughs> um, I mean,
1: I was always doing press, lots of press on the phone and stuff like that. So, and I've been doing this long enough that I can get over the strangeness of just like immediately meeting somebody and then having to talk about um, vulnerable stuff. So it's just a lot of that. It's just not in person. Right. Did a lot of press in the beginning. There's a lot of things where they're like, you, they want me to take a picture of myself in my house. I don't know. I was really into doing the videos where I had like hours of makeup and preparation and like, um, I don't know, just some sort of build up to it. So I felt yeah. like the kind of person that wanted to get their picture taken. It's hard to, to point the camera at my own self Mm. in here but I'm doing it I'm trying to (laughs) figure out a way to do it and not try to make it feel like I wasn't doing that you know like how can I find inspiration within the actual confines of everything instead of trying to fit all inspiration Mm -hmm. into this situation
2: well there's also like a time to be observed and a time that like it sounds like you don't you don't want to be the object of observation you're like but I'm just here living (laughs)
1: I don't, it's weird. I think I'm just older now too. And even if I would have put this record out and everything would have been as it was, I think I would have been a lot more sensitive and Hmm. um, aware of of everything just because I'm not so, I've been doing it so long that I'm not terrified to play a show. So I can actually look at the audience and think of them as like, these are people watching. (laughs) Before I just kind of, I sort of would black out. I was so Mm -hmm. anxious that I was like, I just have to do this you know and so it was I was just like powering through it and I did that for years and now I am used to everything so I'm nervous because it's always nerve-wracking but I also have a little bit of awareness while it's going on it just doesn't feel like I'm just wilding out if I am wilding out I know it (laughs) and I'm aware that it's being witnessed you know.
2: that's heartening to know as someone who does blackout during performances because I get so <laughs> yeah. anxious that I genuinely don't know what happens.
1: Yeah. And there's, but there's times now where I am very aware of everything and it feels really harmonious and really um rewarding in a new way. Hmm. And I think that'll be even more so once I can actually like um, have an audience, <laughs> but, <laughs> but just even with the band, just even with like the set, the band, yeah. my body, the body's like, I um, I feel a little more present.
2: Do you feel at all that like that your recent involvement in dance has helped with that at all like that kind of like feeling embodied when you were talking about that I thought of that of like when you do engage in purposeful movement and things like that that then that can bring you back to your body and take you take you away from that like dissociative aspect that sometimes comes with performance I guess. Yeah
1: very very much I mean of all I always went somewhere physically but it before it felt like really rebellious and almost like I was trying to get out of my body for an hour on stage or whatever. I wrote a lot of songs about that idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now it feels like being really in my body and really at the place we are, but it still feels as magical and as like transporting sometimes as when I was trying to literally leave <laughs> somehow, spiritually. Wow. You know? And I, I don't know, that felt very, if it was very strange to discover. And I think I found that through the dance, you know, I didn't realize that I needed that so bad or that it was going to feel as magical and fit in with sort of the way where I come from creatively that I thought was a very internal, um, isolated Mm
2: -hmm.
1: place. I thought, I thought that's where I had to be in order to make things and to feel good and to feel free Mm -hmm. and then to feel good and free, but in my body and and with other people in, you know, I mean, I just pushing people around like an office chair, but in a really good dramatic way or something. (laughs) That would be some key to connection, but it definitely is.
2: Isn't that strange? I was just like, I was thinking about that and it's like, the inspiration and connection comes from the most unexpected places and sometimes like the exact converse of where you think it's going to.
1: Yeah. I mean, it threw, it threw a lot of things up in the air for me. Like I've always felt like I'm very emotional, but, <laughs> um, but I don't think I am, <laughs> or I am, but I don't know what they are. You know, I thought I had a. Oh. A handle on it. And so I was, I think, The dance and being around people kind of conjured up real feeling for me and it was very clear to me that I didn't know what they were I didn't have a handle on it you know like I guess I think I'm very emotional I just don't know um
2: what those well (laughs) well an emotion can be expressed in so many different ways like there's emotion like you can name it and then there's emotion like you're describing that you just feel in your body that doesn't necessarily have a name
1: yeah and I think that that's what was happening in the dances that they were kind of, if they weren't being named, they were at least being, having room to come out and and move around and like show themselves a little bit.
2: That's fascinating. How did did you end up kind of like falling into that? What happened?
1: Kate, the choreographer, Kate Wallach, who I did the, who choreographed the piece, Mm -hmm. um, she just reached out. I think she saw me like arching my back in a picture, mm-hmm. and she was commissioned to. She was commissioned to make a work, like a dance work that involved live music in some way. I mean, there weren't a lot of um, rules, but I guess if there were, that that was what they all were. And she saw that I could dance, or at least that I moved. <laughs> <laughs> and so we just started talking. We are both from Seattle, and had some friends in common Mm -hmm. and it just very quickly became something I knew I wanted to do you know I mean I didn't know if I could I didn't know what it was going to be but I knew I wanted to do it and I had never done anything like it before um I know it's really scary in a lot of ways and a lot of the first like rehearsals were really terrifying because they were exactly what I was Worried they were going to be. I thought I was the, like my idea of something really terrifying is just any sort of improv class, yes. you know. And that's funny. <laughs> he was just like. Well, let's just try something. And I was like, okay. And so all I'm right. all these questionable and I just put like one of my demos on, and I'm just you now I'm rolling around. You're I'm like, this tall. is where
2: we're at.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but. And at the same time, it's what, why I decided to do it is because I mean, I'm, I'm not very self-motivated in general, but I have conjured up enough discomfort for myself in order to make good songs. And, and you know, I feel like all the things I've done have been better when I push myself to be uncomfortable, but mm-hmm. it's getting harder and harder to do. The older I am and the more I've done it. So I'm, have to make really deliberate decisions to like get out of my myself
2: well yeah especially when you found success in certain ways it's hard not to get like calcified to be like oh I know that this works so I'll just do this and it's like
1: oh my god and (laughs) I'm just gonna do that eventually like we were talking about tour and stuff and I was like can I just like sit on a stool and do like an evening with perfume genius like seven nights somewhere and I don't want to sing anything like High energy. I just want to just want it to be really calm. I just want to sit there and sing. You know? Love, <laughs> oh have a mugger. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> but, but hopefully I won't. I will do another. I will keep like pushing it. Wanda, do you hear her?
0: <gasps> Hi, Wanda.
1: She's on high alert because my boyfriend just went out of town for like ten days. Anything she can.
0: Oh, she's been
1: So she's just, she's in a mood.
2: She's like, where's the other member of my
1: pack? (laughs) Yeah. Or she's just ready to fight or anything.
2: (laughs) I like that, like, I'm already analyzing your dog's fear response and you're like, oh no, it's fight.
1: (laughs) Well, she loves drama. So it doesn't really matter (laughs) what kind it is. She's into it. You know. What
2: kind of dog is she? Chihuahua. (gasps) Oh my God. Adorable. I love that chihuahuas have like such a sense of just like selfhood that they're like, "Have you noticed me? I'm here and I'm going to take care of things." And you're like, "You're the size of my foot," and they're like, "I don't care."
1: <laughs> That's why I love them too. They kind of just do whatever they want. Yeah. And if you do what you you know what you want them to. It's it's like a um, compromise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I kind of love that because I'm the same way. <laughs> I respect it.
2: Small dog vibe is so different than I grew up with big dogs, and it's funny because then when I encountered small dogs, I was like, "Oh no, this is like a totally different creature." I love them. They're like they crack me up.
1: <laughs> like... They get a bad rap though, because Wanda's not like super shaky or like yappy. Mm-hmm. She's just—I'm all on projecting. And whenever I talk about my dog, I get really like, "Oh God, please just do it. Just be gentle. Just oh. talk about it like." Home. Don't be too intense about it.
2: Oh, well, I I think that I don't really trust people who have a dog and treat it casually. I'm like, do you even like dogs?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's why I don't like really well-behaved dogs or like um, dogs that just do what everybody says. There's something kind of off-putting to me about that dynamic. So when people have these dogs that are just sort of, they don't seem to have any-
2: Any-
1: it bothers me and like why do you have this dog just to sort of like project on and have them I don't really understand that anyway
2: I have zero chill about dogs clearly Mm -hmm. um and I went over to my friend Suka and her roommate's dog like immediately started playing with me and apparently the dog is usually really shy um but she's only two and I got so excited because she was actually kind of like naughty and teenage rebellious like we were playing tug of war and i made like a funny squeaking noise and so she jumped on my shoulders and licked my nose when i like threw her toy and um <laughs> her owner was like oh my god like are you okay um because I'm, I'm very small so the dog's like my size <laughs> i'm
1: glad you're smaller like i'm small too
2: yay
1: I'm a small family i think that there's power in being small i like really tall people too you know I find I mean? that
2: I find that a lot of my friends are really tall, and so photos of us together are really funny.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I dated a guy that was six eight. For a <gasps> what? And yeah, one time we were walking down the street holding hands, and people people laughed at us. <gasps> so that, that made me like Chihuahua energy. I got very defiant and very
0: like... <laughs> exactly, exactly.
2: Oh my god! I would have been like, I do what I want. Yeah. I will climb this person like a koala on a tree no idea
1: what are you doing you're sitting there being normal sized
2: (laughs) (laughs) my first partner is um she's six four and so i'm barely five feet tall um
1: (laughs) before that energy energy that's energy Mm -hmm.
2: Mhm-, it's a very odd reaction though that people are just like oh you're you're just like fun human sized
1: <laughs> I think I get the opposite honestly. I think people think I'm smaller than I am really? yeah, it doesn't really bother me like my mom is five two, five three, but she seem, she has she seems tall, you know, everybody's very surprised when they actually notice that she's small littler, you know, but everybody always thinks I'm much smaller. Than I am. <laughs> And, or much more fragile, much, I don't know. That maybe that's just what, but always like in school, there's like Mike's here and they're like, who, Mike, who? And they're like, little Mike, which is fine. But in their head, I think that they're thinking very little. When is. (laughs) it's
2: That's so funny. And like thinking about even like dance and physicality of expressing yourself on stage. I think that some people's perceptions might be skewed based on even how you shape your body. Like I have noticed that, that like, I guess because uh, I don't mean to, but I, I wear things and I'm not in context of other people. But if you see me just standing alone, you don't really have a context for my height. Mm hmm. And so even though you have bandmates on stage, like oftentimes, like when you see press photos, it's of you. So like people might not have a frame of reference, I guess.
1: Yeah, it might be. I like that though. I don't mind it. One of the dancers in the company, Laura is really, she's small too, but she, she seems really big. She dances big. She has a big energy.
2: That's, uh oh. I love also that like in the context of dance, you get to experiment with like big energy, small body and vice versa. Because I think that people erroneously think that if you are tall, that you do have big energy. But I found that it's like the big dog, small dog thing where sometimes like-
1: Yeah, it's not attached to to that at all. Yeah. I loved that about the dance. I loved, I loved the, everybody that I, you know, cause I danced with all of them and everybody had like a signature like I don't know like a, a specific thing to attune to that's very different than attuning to like your friends or your boyfriend or sexual or whatever the whole different like physical um thing to try to harmonize with and I loved I really loved it I felt I think what, like what I was talking about, how it's hard for me to actually name my feelings. It was a way to not have to talk, not have to do any naming, but, but harmonize and,
0: and mm-hmm. connect
1: and like feel things out in a way that was like really satisfying to me. Because sometimes I feel like I can't articulate myself very well. I love that. Life.
2: And it, it sounds almost like when, you, when you're playing with fellow musicians and it just gels. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to necessarily tell someone where you're going. You can just kind of go along with them.
1: Oh, I live <laughs> I live for it. To the point where, like, I hate rehearsal. I just want everybody just to, let's just go there. And <laughs> that place, And see what happens, you know. But I forget that, you know, practice and rehearsal and work, that kind of aligns you with that. It opens that up for you.
2: Yeah, it's like you have to so, put in that discipline sometimes to... To get to there like even if you already like kind of mesh with someone it's like on yeah. specific songs you just have to like work it until it becomes an effortless playing with each other
1: well and ultimately you know it's for other people they're going to be watching and listening so right. i might feel amazing but i gotta make sure that everybody else <laughs> does too <laughs> and um like i can just sit there and just love everybody and that will be enough for me for like an hour but i need to like communicate to them
2: yeah, it needs to be, like, maybe, like, legible to other people. <laughs> but
1: I'm so protective of that that I'm, I'm always thinking that, you know, I don't want anybody to be upset or to, um, I hate criticism.
0: Oh. <laughs>
1: like, I get very protective of that. And, like, and I think I misjudge um, rehearsals sometimes when, you know, even in the studio, like, recording my own songs as so I write them all. I'm mm-hmm. just babbling. That's what, a, that's what you're supposed to do, right? You're supposed to talk.
2: Yeah, that's how this works.
1: I'll write songs by myself, and I'll be so, i bring them into the studio, and I'll be so protective of how that world f- feels to me. Yeah. And I get very, um, it's hard. It's hard to bring them out, you know, and bring them, involve other people in I don't know but well, I found a way to
2: I was gonna I'm say not like really letting necessarily like
1: to how it sounds or looks or anything it's just like a an emotional thing that I like really sacred about
2: well and those are the things that are like those kind of like inchoate emotions that you were talking about that it's like it's very vulnerable to let anyone into that space mm-hmm. and it's one of those things I was talking with a friend recently about this of like that she was saying that she was, she was waiting to feel less afraid to like start a project. And I I was saying that like, I 0% feel less afraid. (laughs) I just kind of like figure out how to like let the fear hang out with whatever it is that I'm doing.
1: Oh, Um, 100%. Like, I don't think it's ever gone away. I have just gotten used to doing things in parallel.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That it's like that vulnerability of like, oh, this is like my sacred emotional space and I'm letting someone in and that's Terrifying, but I also am letting someone in because it's beautiful. Um, mm. and I know that something interesting is going to come of it. Um, and it's like living with that and knowing that, like, being you know, kind of like being courageous artistically in a way isn't that you're like, I'm gonna put everything out there, it's more like, This is terrifying, here you go.
1: <laughs> Honestly, I think doing it and making things you like beat 90% of everything, everybody else, yeah, part of yourself, like, just committing and doing it is way more than half of it to me
2: yeah because it's and like you said about criticism um that's actually how I know that I'm on the right track with something that I've done is weirdly like when someone doesn't like it
1: Mm -hmm. yeah I don't have a problem with someone not liking my work sometimes I actually really get off on it in a weird way I don't know why I do not like it when people are cruel or right. um, superficially mean or like it's I feel like somebody understood it and still didn't like it that doesn't bother me. Right. But if I feel like they they didn't understand it then I don't really care about what they're saying.
2: Yeah it's the whole thing of like not taking criticism from someone you wouldn't take advice from. It's like yeah.
1: they don't get what you're doing. Yeah, well, sometimes it's not for them, literally. Yeah.
2: (laughs) I heard that facial expression and it was great. (laughs) Yeah, and knowing that like, it's so strange sometimes thinking about like artistry and even putting things out. It's like, you're never going to be universally acclaimed. There's always going to be something that you're like, no, that actually wasn't for this person. And that's Mm -hmm. okay.
1: Well, and I've had people that it was for, and they didn't like it, and it didn't it didn't bother me. I mean, it would make me um want to pay more attention next time, mm-hmm. you know. Carry <laughs> that, <laughs> <laughs> like, well, like advice. Yeah. That, really. Um. Yeah.
2: Well, and there's a difference between, like you said, like when people are being cruel versus when someone is giving you. Uh, I hate the phrase constructive criticism, but mm-hmm. I think that it is valuable when someone's like, oh, I get what you're doing, but this is why it didn't land for me. Right. Um,
1: right. Well, it's so hard to create an environment where that feels like that's what's happening. Yeah. And I don't know. It's so hard to like the formula of it. I don't know how much of it is my defensiveness, how much of it is my fear that like if I let any criticism in, I'm going to stop doing anything. Mm. <laughs> or how much of it is is that it shouldn't be said sometimes it's mm-hmm. very I have a hard time with that even with people well like my close relationships yeah but it's you, see, you bring so much to everything so much like old shit new shit stuff that you're taught lies that you told yourself lies that other people told you you carry around all this stuff that you're not even aware of and so if something's really deep and talked about, like it's like all of that flares up.
2: Yes, it's having like those kind of, um, one of my friends who's a hypnotherapist was teaching me about this kind of like underlying beliefs. It's almost like background scripts that are running that we're not super duper aware of consciously, Um, but then occasionally they just get like, like kind of touched upon. And so those can be those like flashpoints where all of a sudden you're like really defensive um, and things like that, where it's like, oh, did that, mm. did that actually touch on something bigger? <laughs> it's like lurking beneath there. <laughs> um, and I, I guess like finding people that you trust to touch on those things and know that you're still safe.
1: I mean, honestly, we're talking about all this, but I'm thinking about it and I've really surrounded myself with people that work very differently than me. <laughs> <And think> about, <laughs> you know, process and think about things very differently and it, it makes it really difficult. But honestly, I feel like it makes my work better even though it's really uncomfortable for me yeah um and that's not I'm not that's like a very positive thing that I'm saying about these people (laughs) like my boyfriend Alan he's very we he loves rehearsal he loves practicing oh that's That's so funny that's where everything opens up for him and he finds that place that I kind of start from oh you
2: know
1: what I mean and so that can turn into a fight or it can turn into like a real harmony but everything that is made from it that we keep is because of the the harmonious.
2: The harmoniousness.
1: Like he just, he thinks about things that I wouldn't think about. Like I'm worried about how it feels. And then he's like, well, but it sounds bad, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And then, but also I can get him to sort of relax and like move into a freer place that yeah. is ultimately more beneficial sometimes too, so.
2: Well, and it's that discomfort that you talked about that like discomfort and pain are very different where like one is injurious where the other usually actually indicates that you're going in the right direction.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: The dance though, the dance performance had none of that. I felt like zero tension. Wow. It was very bizarre. It was fully like a circle. Everybody had input, everybody made it. You know, from the very start, like the person um, that did the production design costuming everybody was in the room from the very beginning before any music or movement had happened which mm. was very bizarre to me but it was, what was um,
2: that like like it was bizarre but did you were you able to ease into the bizarreness of it did you like it?
1: At first I just was very um, I was just doing it and was like it just felt very foreign but mm. then I sort of adapted to it and really loved that way of working and I also just got to see people work I don't know like the dance the dancers they were moving the way that I think about writing mm. you know? so it was just very and I was we were together all the time for months you know what i mean for like 8 hours a day right so it became very like um summer campy or even like rehab <laughs> when i went to rehab i was terrified of rehab i didn't talk for like a week but wow. by the end of it, I was like, I was like, I will read this passage from this like <laughs> from this thing. And I was, you know, sharing information with everybody and just like giggling and like prancing around, you know, it's like, I, I really, um, I almost become like a little kid I, in places where I feel really safe. Yeah. I, like, oh, I get so amped up and that very much happened with, it, with the dance. I was just so like thrilled to be around people that I really trusted and that I felt yeah. like we're going to be tender to to everything. You know, that there's gonna be a sensitivity involved the whole way, even if it wasn't going well or somebody right. wasn't understood or whatever,
2: you know. That's, oh, I wish you could see me. I just didn't like, I put my hand over my heart. I was just like, oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. well yeah it's like it's knowing it's trusting that people are going to be there for you and that that connection is there and then you can like then you can be childlike it's like if that connection isn't there you you wouldn't want to open up like that
1: mm-hmm. well and plus we were just doing really weird shit and nobody was like questioning it at all And I loved that. <laughs> I loved to be like that I mean, by the end, we didn't really need to rehearse the dance anymore, but we still were doing a bunch of rehearsals. So we were just doing really weird, you know, it's just like crying, looking at a car outside. And then mm-hmm. I would look over and somebody was doing the same thing. And I was like, yes, <laughs> it didn't make any sense. But you know, and then we all just took a nap on top of each other for four hours. And I'm like, this is what I want to do like every day.
2: Well, when you have that like when you have that synergy with people, like I found that very infrequently, but when you find it, it's like one of the most beautiful feelings in the world where it's like, like you said, it's doing the weird things, but in a way it's like it's not that weird. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, and I loved the drama. I mean, there's always performance and fantasy built into it because we were making something and we didn't know each other that well, like if you wrote it all out.
2: Yeah. So
1: but I don't mind that being an element. I like that element. <laughs>
2: Well, and in a way it's outside of the mundane because mm-hmm. it, it is like, you know, in a way, a controlled interaction because the the purpose is clear. You're there for working on the dance, but that kind of structure then freed you up to do everything else, it sounds like.
1: Yeah, well, it's like almost like an alternate timeline or something. Like yeah. Just, we're just in a different world.
2: Yeah, and you like know. that if you are helping the other like take out the trash or something.
1: No, I'm not into that, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> you have such vivid facial expressions through your tone of voice, and it's so cool.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: I'm like loving that.
1: <laughs> no, I'm, I am with my boyfriend. I was like, I yelled at him, and I made a rule that we can't talk about anything real after seven. <laughs> I don't want it. He's <laughs> like, "What is real?" And I was like, "Table, chair." I just started like naming. <laughs> stuff. I'm like we can't talk about it after seven
2: only the fantastical <laughs> you're off duty mm. <laughs> oh my god i love that i'm like maybe I, now i'm wondering what my time would be that i would stop talking about realness <laughs> <laughs> like the fact that you can just set that limit i'm like that's glorious
1: oh, right i mean it can be followed i definitely made a big fuss <laughs> so, that's there the chihuahua energy comes back again because i'm just you know saying a bunch of shit doesn't mean it's gonna happen but, you know
2: i'm like speak it into reality speak it make it thus <laughs> <gasps> oh my goodness if i'm not mistaken you were also working on a book right
1: yeah that's well, exciting yeah i can't wait to see it I mean, because it's all been, you know, we made the book, but I haven't seen it yet. It won't feel like a real thing until I see it and hold it.
0: Right? Um,
2: When do you get to do that?
1: I think pretty soon. (gasps) I don't know. It's too real for me to know the date. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
2: I was like, are we on the real hours? Like, it's not 7 p.m. yet, but I don't want (laughs) to (laughs) press.
1: Camille, the photographer that did my record cover and all the other art, like still imagery surrounding the record. Mm -hmm. I had been following her and loved her for a long time. And I I had wanted to work with her for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I had a lot of ideas and I knew that she would have her own and that it would, it would build a whole world, you know? Yeah. And so I went, she lives in Paris and I went over there. And we shot so many pictures and I felt like I wanted to share it in an Mm -hmm. official way and have some sort of memory of it that wasn't specifically tied to like the album cover Mm -hmm. or, you know, you know, the images used as press pictures and stuff like
2: that. Right. 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 What was it like, like, were you shooting with that intent or like, I guess like, just thinking about how projects spiral, or at least they spiral mm-hmm. for me. I was like, was that the intent going in or did it just sort of take on a life of its own?
1: It wasn't, but I had, you know, it wasn't, but I have been a fan of hers and she's made books of her images before. I, and I look at them in that way, you know, I look at them as living. Got it. That sort of like area. So I knew that the things we made, I was going to like as pictures <laughs> and, like, um you know we did a lot of still life and stuff well she did I didn't but we did a lot of other things that weren't just like me with my shirt off you know <laughs> so, um yeah
0: how does I was curious about the crossover of feeling
2: embodied in dance versus being embodied when you are like the subject of a photograph
1: it doesn't feel that different to me yeah. I know it does to other people. No offense to other people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like- On behalf <laughs> of everyone
2: <laughs> else, I'm so offended.
1: <laughs> Honestly, I think the reason it does feel different to me is just because I've been doing that. I mean, I keep I've been getting my picture taken for so long and I'm always um bending around and shit. So I'm mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just used to it. <laughs> mm-hmm. More the the thing. Um I think the reason it doesn't feel different to me is just because I try to conjure the same like feeling in my body. Mm. So.
2: Yeah, because sometimes it's so fascinating to me when people say that like models' jobs are easy because in essence, I, I genuinely don't think that they are because trying to conjure that emotion in your body for a still photograph is actually very challenging. Not I think
1: like- so. I mean, at least it is for me. I wonder though, if like, if they're all thinking they're doing that, or if they're just sitting there, I don't know. <laughs> they're, they're just so beautiful it. <laughs> that they can just like sit down. And they're like, oh my God, check that out. <laughs> Me, I'm like, I have to contact God. And I have to like, I have to drape myself over this thing perfectly.
2: Yes. And I think that also seeing the outtakes of photo shoots is very humbling. We're like, I don't know about you, but I'll be going through contact sheets. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm a goddess. Oh my God, I'm a potato. (laughs) It's like second to second, it can be very dodgy.
1: (laughs) Well, it's just like everything just has to line up. Everybody Mm -hmm. involved, everything involved, every little thing. Yeah. I would be, I do not think I would be a good photographer at all.
2: I admire photographers. I admire people that can see kind of I guess like see not the potential but uh kind of see the beauty and angles in just about anything like one of my friends is a food photographer and the way that she photographs food I don't I don't even like most of the food she photographs like I'm kind of a a lazy picky weird vegan Mm -hmm. but like she took this photo of a burger with cheese and egg like (laughs) things that I don't even eat and I was like oh my god that looks amazing Mm -hmm. and so just like People who have a talent for seeing that, I respect that so much. I'm just like, oh, that's so cool.
1: Yeah, me too. Even my manager, Brian, he takes all these pictures um, everywhere we go, and, and we're at the same place, you know, <laughs> looking at the same thing. And I'm like, how did you get that picture? It's just some, some, uh, I don't really know. I can't describe it.
2: yeah. When I think about like different art mediums, like that's actually why I love talking to people for, I mean, it was totally self-serving that I created this podcast um, about people that work in different mediums. I find it fascinating because I'm like, how, how did you end up kind of like putting emotion into that? And how do you see things that way? Because it's very different than I do. And I'm like, oh,
0: tell me about it.
1: <laughs> well, like I asked Camille, I said, how do you like, Cause to me, photography feels very technical. Mm-hmm. You have to manage all these like technical things, but then the things that she would make with are so soulful and warm and spiritual, seeming to me, and like eerie. Like, how do you, how do you get a handle on the technical part and then maintain mm. that, or do you even think of it that way? You know, it's the same like the rehearsal thing to me. It's like, how do you let in stuff like that and not have it um, overwhelm it or, or mm. get in the way of it? And not everybody thinks of things that way, but...
2: I mean, I guess it's like when you're when you're tracking and recording that you could get lost in like the minutiae of what instruments you're playing or how you're producing it, but like in essence, you just, you want to channel the feeling of the song.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, then, then those things kind of, I guess, become emotional when you look at them if you use them enough so yeah. I think about like when i'm like recording my demos and stuff like i'm putting a bunch of you know it's like on the computer yeah think of all these little sliders now as kind of like emotional things like i know if i move it up it's gonna feel like this so yeah that's maybe it just turns into that eventually
2: one I like, I like tactile things to use with a computer. I don't know if you like them as well, but like controllers and keyboards and things like that. Like I will do, I, sometimes I'll just do stuff like actually just on my laptop, but I prefer to control my laptop with external things that I can touch for that reason. Yeah,
1: like that. that's cool. <laughs> been the Same laptop for, well, since the very first record. So it's like, I don't know how old that is, 10 years old. Is it really old? Heck in the yeah. Like GarageBand from like 10 years ago.
2: I still have my uh, 2010 Macbook that I definitely will track demos on GarageBand. Yeah.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: I was like, I'm looking at it right now. I'm like, hey friend. <laughs> it doesn't even zoom. Its name is Gizmo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah, zooming I on my other laptop. Like,
1: I even try to like look something up online recently, and it's like, we can't do this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> we need to download something in order to go on the internet. The that's, new internet.
2: That's literally, that's where Gizmo's at, where it's like, I still have my interface for him and, like, love tracking demos, um, mm. but, yeah, he, he can't Zoom. Um, he can't use Google Chrome anymore. <laughs> like, oh, my God. But, yeah, I mean, technically, that computer does still very much work, though.
1: Yeah. I've tried to relearn like another program or just involve that in like part of me being, you know, trying something new or maybe it'll lead to something different, but it's just too, maybe I'll, I have time now, so maybe I'll try to do that.
2: I mean, it's kind of fun to just like, that's how I learned Ableton is literally just taking time to mess around on it. Not even with the intention of making songs that were functional. It was a lot like learning a new instrument, frankly
1: yeah that makes sense.
2: yeah. where it's like when you first start, it sounds real dumb, and you just keep going.
1: i but I have that when I first start, even with all the stuff that I've been using. to <laughs> 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 so, add that on to, and then also learning because I always go in and like the first it takes me a long time of making all these fragments or shitty songs in order to get to the place where I'm like, okay, I'm on to something I'm good. on to something, well, not that it's good, but at least what I'm supposed to be doing.
2: No. That happens when I write at the piano, too, where I, especially like during like this whole time soup of quarantines, I don't know if you've been writing during this time, but it's like I'll have an idea bubble up and I'll start working on it and it'll just kind of be like, Ugh.
1: yeah, I <laughs> have all this time like I could, but it's I'm like, I don't have time for this. <laughs> it's really it's much
2: time <laughs> that I just don't have time for it.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'd rather do something that causes me anxiety and does nothing for me.
2: Love that, love that. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I found that like trying to catch those ideas has been harder. Um, so it's like, it's it's been a very weird time. And I feel like, especially as artists, we were pressured at the beginning of this to be like somehow ultra productive. And I was mm-hmm. like, what, why?
1: I mean, it might, it might eventually, it might be working on the, I might be working on something like underneath all this. Hmm. I mean, that's how it feels to me. Like whenever I'm done making a record, my boyfriend is always like, you have not done anything for two months, but in my, I have, I think <laughs> in the background, like I need to repair and like all this. I don't know how to explain. Yeah, it's almost
2: it. like, it's like you go back in your chrysalis in a way where you're like, yeah. no, I have to be in here and be kind of mushy and then I can emerge and get into a butterfly, but like, hold up a second.
1: Yeah. Uh, so I'm hoping something like that is happening.
2: I'm oh. sure it is. I feel like the time frame of all of this, like, we're all going to emerge at some point. What that point is, I don't know. And I don't know what it looks like. But I also know nothing lasts forever. So logically, something else will happen. Something
1: else. Yeah.
2: Um, I think it's going to be fascinating to look back and then be like, oh, well, what happened after? It's just that right now we're in the mushy period.
1: Right. In so many ways. <laughs> <laughs> okay, mushy.
2: it's been very, very strange. Um, Like I said, at the beginning of when I started this podcast, I was like, I'm going to have set interview questions. Now I'm like, what is time? What are words?
1: (laughs) I I mean, that is one thing that is kind of fun, is that everybody's there, you know? Yeah. I think that I kind of like how, um, I don't know, even socially, I feel like people are just sharing more and un, like are not afraid of sharing like complicated icky messy stuff yeah there and so it's kind of normalized
2: <laughs> and I think that that's a good thing like that's that's the one thing that really dispels shame is to actually share stuff and when everyone sees that everyone else is actually just like a delightful icky mess sometimes you're like oh yeah. hmm. okay
1: For me, also I think it's like I'm not being super social but when I am like going and seeing people you know everybody's trying to fit in everything kind of like when you call your mom and you haven't talked to her for months so she tries to be like ultra mom at you (laughs) or like the phone call (laughs) i feel like people are doing that socially and it's kind of fun
2: That's hysterical because I was raised in a Jewish household, so I'm like, "What's that like that you don't talk to your mom for months? Like your mom doesn't call you multiple times a day? I'm confused."
1: I talk to my mom like maybe once a week, but there have been, especially on a tour and stuff, I didn't talk to her for a while.
2: Oh my god, we did teach my mom how to text. That has helped.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I agree with you though. Like, I recently. I went to my friends and so I had like a very socially distanced um, glass of wine in the yard, but like what that turned into is literally we talked until like five in the morning because we hadn't even seen one another in person in months and months and months. And it was so lovely because usually I see this person at events, um, which is great. I mean, we're friends outside that, but there's also the layer of like, oh, we're like, we're at an art event, we're at a gallery thing, we're at this and that. No, it's like, fuck it, we're having wine, there's a roof. um where it was this very much like there was just a lack of pretense and just a delight yeah, exactly. in seeing one another
1: this is nice all it right. was
2: so nice i was just like can it be like this all the time i mean i do miss going to galleries but also like more like roof wine please
1: yeah
2: i don't even like wine really the enticement was just the roof frankly
1: a roof you like a roof
2: Oh, yeah. I had maybe half a glass of wine. I was really enticed to drink it because it was from a goblet from the Madonna Inn, which is one of my favorite places in the whole
1: world. We were not far from it. Where were we? We were in some, where were we? Morrow Bay or something, with all these sand dunes. But I knew that the Madonna Inn was close.
2: You must go. It yeah. is, it makes no sense. Like, that's why I love it is that it's like frivolous and gaudy and nonsensical, but it takes that frivolity to a level at which it loops to serious again, somehow.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, yeah.
2: Where it's like, I've never, I've never been to a location where it's like, this is absurd to this degree. And we are invested in it wholeheartedly.
1: I like that. (laughs) For sure. I sold before. I'm double sold. (laughs)
2: Well, because you're in California now, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Where is it? The Madonna. It's like by, is it by San Luis Obispo?
2: Yeah. it's uh, I think it actually is technically in San Luis Obispo. It's right in between okay. LA and SF. It's like four hours north of LA and I want to say like three hours south of SF. We'll On the
1: 101. We'll go. Are people going to hotels? I think they are. Someone just told me they went to one and there's like no one there and so they had to pull to themselves i like that oh my god if telling me that then other people are doing saying that and then they're all gonna go
2: well that was like how everyone from la decided to try and go to joshua tree all at the same time and then i felt really bad for everyone who actually lived in joshua tree
1: i tried to do that i do i couldn't find i thought that they like stopped airbnb for a while i was just like i have to get out of the city and i just want to um be somewhere open yeah energetically open um so we have it
2: well the energy of the city has definitely i mean i i stay inside most of the time frankly Mm -hmm. um the energy of the city has been really strange throughout this whole thing like when everything first shut down i actually kind of liked the eeriness of it Mm
1: -hmm. um
2: because now everyone just seems very on edge like whenever i leave people seem just very uh I just made a face of me.
1: Yeah, good uh, driving. I don't drive, but I watch I watch from the passengers. <laughs> 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 People seem uh, crazy, but everybody's crazy before, to be honest. But maybe you know, it's a little heightened.
2: Yeah, like LA is one of those places that it's like, it's intensely chill, but chilly intense. hmm
1: I don't yeah.
2: know. What was fun. that? I'm sorry, I interrupted.
1: No, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to say?
2: I was curious what it was like coming here from the Northwest.
1: Um, I like it here. I like the Northwest too. I like the pace up there more and I like the air there mm-hmm. and the kind of light that it has. And mm-hmm. I miss my family and some friends up there. But I like how it's nice out here. I mean, it's on fire. <laughs> <But> <laughs> it's like warm. It's something really, I mean, I've never experienced that where you could just like go outside if you felt like it and not have it be a big production. It's very right. wild. And just like <laughs> leaving doors and windows open and like going inside, outside, having them almost feel all the same kind of thing.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, I like all the food. I like. I'm, we weren't living in a big city. We were living in Tacoma, like 40 minutes south of Seattle. That's where I went to college. Yeah, I love Tacoma, but I love here that I can get, like, anything weird kind of food or normal kind of food. I don't know what I'm classifying those as, but, like...
0: I just remember there was
1: delivered. But Tacoma, yeah, we kind of just would eat the same thing. We found, like, a f- couple places that we liked, and so we would eat the same thing unless we were cooking.
2: That's so funny, yeah. because in LA, it's like, coming from here, I remember I was really stoked when I actually did find Thai food in Tacoma, um, Mm -hmm. because I I actually did wonder that, like, when I went to college there, I was just like, oh, I'm going to get to explore new food, and then I was like, you stupid LA kid.
1: Well, but they have teriyaki in Seattle and Tacoma, which I really miss. I ate teriyaki, and teriyaki in a way in the Northwest is very different than everywhere else. Like, it's almost like a, not fast food, but it's a quick food and it's very simple it's very pleasing to me pleasing to my system
2: mm-hmm. you know my
1: mm-hmm. buds. i miss it um, it kind
2: of reminds me of our version of like just grabbing a burrito from yeah, one it's of the very topics. much
1: like that that's like the <laughs> seattle version of it to me anyways yes. so I ate teriyaki for lunch like three or four days a week <laughs> <laughs> um i would even rotate the places i went so they didn't think i was like <laughs> like um you didn't have, like, a
2: teriyaki problem?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: How? I miss I... That almost more than anything.
0: Oh.
2: And that's so interesting what you said about, like, that you can just go outside without it being a production.
1: And I think that's why I like it. Here's the novelty-ishness of it still. I mean, I, I adapted to it pretty quickly. I still don't like the sun. I don't like being directly in it, but I like being, like, next to it. proximal. Yeah but see the northwest it is more beautiful there in the summer than it is anywhere else but the rest of the years kind of um
2: it gets kind of grim by like april may when you're like really ready for it to be spring
1: yeah yeah
2: and i'm curious how that will inform like how you end up writing like i know that I ended up writing differently. I mean, I also was in college, so of course I was like filled with collegiate angst.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but there's a big difference when you can just sort of stroll outside and there's not that boundary. Um, whereas up there, like sometimes you're like, no, I'm just going to chill in my attic because it's 30 degrees and raining. I'm not going to go outside.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Because I wrote this last record in LA and... um. In Tacoma, I had like an attic that had my piano in it, and I could go up there, and I felt like no one could hear me mm-hmm. people downstairs, neighbors, anyone and it felt i mean that's what I want, you know, so I was like screaming and right. um, just wilding out and in the when I wrote this last record i was I could hear my landlord, I could hear my neighbors mm-hmm. you we know, lived in the front house, and there were people living around us and I could feel them and I wondered if they could hear me a lot while I was singing Mm. and that I think changes how I write a little bit but who knows I mean maybe I could be completely isolated and have written the same record I don't know but at least I think that that's an ingredient that's involved
2: yeah it's the energy of being witnessed in a way when you're writing especially it's so vulnerable when you're writing like vocal
1: lines Mm -hmm. and this the last record was kind of more Thoughtful in how I was singing. <laughs> a lot of like just me screaming and, um, you know, the record before had a lot more kind of wild stuff, but this, to me, I sing like the lowest note I, and the highest note I've ever sang on this last record, but it's a lot more like, I don't know.
2: I like that my brain's like, oh, maybe you are in a different place. And then I was like, Pam, he was literally in a different place. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, do, I was deliberately trying to write songs in a very specific way. I was like, I'm writing it. I was writing it. It gets so wishy-washy to talk about. Well, it's weird I, talking I about songwriting. I'm write songs. I was trying to sing as a singer and write songs and make them very song-like. I don't know how to explain that. Before, I just felt like I was just kind of winging it and doing things and trying stuff and you know seeing what's going on and experimenting a lot and I don't I mean I still did some a lot of that but I also was trying to have a kind of command and Hmm. kind of step into it in a different way with the last record like I'm a singer these are songs kind of songs that I'm singing yeah huh
2: well, yeah, because there's a difference between like that kind of visceral expression and then that approaching it as like a craft. And I think both are valuable. Like, I don't think one's like right or wrong, but those are really different approaches.
1: Yeah. Well, it's fun, I guess, kind of like what we're talking about, doing that, but maintaining all the energy of being free and just trying stuff and experimenting, seeing yeah. those can all at the same time.
2: Yeah. And thinking about what you're saying about dance is that it's like, in a way, even though you were not focused on like the structure of rehearsal, just the being there, the eight hours a day is what enabled you, it sounds like, to reach the points that you did.
1: Oh yeah, I really miss it. It It's really strange to be doing that and writing a whole record that's about like sex and like bodies and (laughs) physical stuff. And then just, and you know, I felt really healthy and I felt really able and capable and connected at least more than usual and then have that kind of be like illegal. (laughs) It was very weird.
2: Yeah, I was saying to someone that I feel like um, discussions now around COVID are much like, it's like the risk reduction of like having safe sex conversations, but like around breathing. Yeah. Yeah like how many people have you breathed around? What was your proximity to them? How many days ago was it that you were breathing around them? How's your breathing now? <laughs> um, where I'm like, well, really anyone in like the queer poly or kink community is like, eh, we got this, let's just apply it to breathing. Um, but it, it brings like all new levels of complication and thought to social interaction and even like being embodied in public.
1: Well, it's just always seasoning every, everything. Yeah. So I will feel comfortable. I will feel some sense of normalcy in wherever I am, but not for fully because it's not. <laughs> so <laughs> it's very strange. That's the same as like I'm performing and I will feel like, oh, I'm playing a show, but no one's here. Or mm-hmm. I'll feel like I'm talking. And like, oh, this feels like I used to, but it's not because we're, you know, we can make each other sick.
2: Yeah. And it's so strange because before like before all of this it's like when my podcast guests were in LA like of course I would invite people over or I'd meet up in like one of my friends has a lovely living room in Silver Lake Um, if someone was like further east like I would go over there but it was so lovely to get to just like meet people and record live and like have tea you know like normal people things and it's so strange to me sometimes to know that like I'm so close to so many people whether they're podcast guests or my friends or whomever but it's like once you hang up on a Zoom call, you're alone again. And it's very strange.
1: Yeah. I would have thought I would prefer it too before all this, honestly. Yeah? I don't like doing stuff. I don't like going places. At least in my head, that's how I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would have loved the idea of, oh, you don't have to play any shows. You don't have to go on tour. You don't have to leave your house. You can just be cozy and like eat and lay around and, and then do all this stuff, (laughs) but now I'm realizing how much I really desperately need all those things that I thought I resented.
2: (laughs) Right, because I I feel similarly where it's like I used to resent having to go to like social engagements and things like that, like I'm like, oh, I'm so introverted, I just want to hang out by myself. Yeah. Now I'm like, I feel like my introvert battery is like so charged that it's glowing at this point.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you need, you, you know, You need both. I mean, every extroverts, introverts need people. Yeah. (laughs) Like a different way of doing it. Like I just need to recharge a little bit. I need to be alone after I'm not, but I can't just be alone.
2: Exactly. And even like, I miss ambient socializing. Like I would take like books to some of my favorite cafes around LA where I really, really like sometimes, I mean, I'll, I'll read at home obviously anyway, but it's like, I like taking my books out and about. Where is that like quote social? Eh. But it's around other human beings and it's in a different setting. <laughs> it's
1: like... <laughs> it removes... It kind of, like, kind of makes you feel anonymous, which yeah. I, that, cause I do not feel like that. All I'm doing is thinking about myself and thinking about my problems and how I feel and what's happening and blah, blah, blah. I'm so sick of it.
2: Yeah, to not have that, like you said, that anonymity where it's like I'm so steeped in my own identity and my own thing here that it's like, I can't necessarily step out of myself.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not like I'm very capable of doing that no matter where I am or who is around me. <laughs> but like I used to go to like the food court. I love a food court. And I wouldn't even eat. I would just sit there for hours. And it's not like I wasn't just sitting there thinking about all kinds of bullshit. Right. But there was some other thing about it. I don't yeah. know. I'm still out. I'm still around people, you know. But now it's like, I don't know, it can get so dark so quickly. And the spiral, there's like no, maybe it just being outside just felt like a little bit of a net or something. And yeah. I don't feel like that. I feel like really rootless. And like, if I'm on one, it's there's no real way to come back from it. Unless <laughs> it. And I'm not the one that is going to bring myself back, you know, mm-hmm. um, I realize that. I've always kind of known that. Like, I like being alone when I know I'm not going to be. I like doing whatever I want, only if I have, it's like rebellious. Yes. So, (laughs) um, you know, I like being alone and doing whatever I want, but Alan's in the other room or something. But now that he's gone, like, I know I'm going to just, it's going to get weird in here. It used to, always does. I ended up putting Mm -hmm. blankets over the windows and listening to like metal and stuff, which is fun, but
2: yeah it's kind of like when you're a kid and you're like well when my parents are gone I'm just gonna like eat ice cream the whole time and run around in my underwear and then you do that and you're like "Uh, I kind of feel queasy and I'm in my underwear but I guess I'll keep going
1: yeah and I already do that anyway (laughs) (laughs) I I have always done that oh
2: Oh my god well I'm glad that you got your body of work out about being embodied prior to us all being disembodied
1: (laughs) Now I'm on, you know, it's sad, but it's so, I'm. Um, it's available. Like I know that it's there, you know, yeah. and I got sick. I got, um, I got sick, but mm-hmm. knowing what feeling healthy was like, I mean, it was, it made a big difference. Yeah. Even yeah. though I wasn't there, but just knowing that it's available, knowing my body can do that, knowing that I can feel good. So when I feel bad, I I don't think it, you know, it doesn't feel gone.
2: I was going to say, it's that reminder of, like, you might feel bad right now, but it's not forever. Like, mm-hmm. you
1: also know that there's the flip side. Yeah. Aww. Even all the craziness of everything mentally, like, I I know that there's an anchor somewhere. I'm going to come back to it, but I don't enjoy not having it, but at least I'll figure it out some point.
2: I just nodded sagely. I don't know if you could hear that nod. I was just like, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> "What's going on?" I mean, I there's just so much. It just feels overwhelming all the time, and I've it always has felt like that to me. But I don't know.
2: It's very strange. All of a sudden, welcoming people who aren't generally overwhelmed to the overwhelmed boat. I'm sometimes like, "Welcome."
1: Oh God! Here's yeah. Your t-shirt for, for me for tips on how to be like crazy. <laughs> isolated or or like how do you like how do you do this (laughs) how do you not do anything because I'm like the king of just like fuck it who cares I do nothing (laughs) (laughs) and I'm the opposite now I'm like how do you do stuff how do you how do you motivate yourself to do stuff because now that I am not supposed to do anything I want to it's really weird
2: well, it sounds like that whole like push pull of you want to do things because it's forbidden. And now you're like, now I want to do things. Whereas when someone's like, do something, you're like, I don't no. know.
1: Yeah, oh, I definitely do not want to do any of the things I'm supposed to. Of
2: course, yes.
1: definitely. It's almost like
2: tricking yourself into the illicit.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I was reading Esther Perel's, um, her book about uh, mating in captivity. Um, and it was definitely that where it's like, our our desire is often for the unknown. Or the dangerous or the risk and the novelty but then we crave intimacy which is like the known and the comfortable
0: mm-hmm. but
2: those are at odds with each other and so it's like you almost have to trick yourself sometimes to desire things that you already have
1: <laughs> yeah, or just that's i think that's why i loved that element of fantasy and performance in the dance because it felt like those two things existing at the same time Ooh. and in, in a way that almost felt creepy <laughs> to me because I didn't know if it was okay <laughs> to do, mm-hmm. you know. There's other people there, but um, I loved that um, it was built in, you know, because I felt close to these people. But then I also knew that I was projecting closeness, mm. but but there it was both, and so you can you know it felt like a real harmony. And me and Kate developed a really intense relationship that was pretty wild but i knew that we were really into it being intense and wild and so we were sort of like hyping each other up and yes and um like curating it but it was also real you know and sometimes those things feel very different and in a way that's kind of crushing and i loved that i had someone that was um we were letting each other be that way
2: I love that you were there to like hold each other and also like push each other on on that. Mm -hmm. To be like, you're safe. Yeah. Also, let's go over here. (laughs) Let's go further.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Oh my God. When you find those connections, I'm like, that's magic. That's whatever the magic, the energy, the woo-woo. I'm like that. It's that thing.
1: Well, it felt really naughty because we were supposed to be working, but it felt like we were feeling too so but that's what's so fun to me <laughs> <laughs> performing um performing feels I don't know that's all I want is I want to actually feel it that way but be on stage you know I don't want to to mimic it or get close to it I want to actually want to feel, feel it, it. and not I love when it. I feel really, naughty really blurry you yeah. know like work and and doing you know making these weird fantastical things but having them actually feel real too and um I don't know and I enjoyed it I don't think I've ever really enjoyed it before so well,
2: and I feel like in a way it's a false dichotomy to say something is work versus feeling it's like you found a way to meld the two of them and that sounds like just amazing alchemy right there
1: it was, but it's also very different than how I normally work because I'm used to having a lot of push back. Mm. And that's where I feel like the work is coming from is when, you know, like what I want is tempered. Right. And so if I'm just getting what I want, I was like, is this terrible? <laughs> like, <laughs> I have no idea, is this good or bad? I mean, are people going to want to watch this? Because all I'm doing is what I want.
2: <laughs> oh my God. It's like, I want everything and nothing at the same time. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was like, I feel bad that I'm like, you've been so generous with your time. I really appreciate you talking to me. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I want to keep talking about this, but also I don't want to like take up your whole afternoon because that seems selfish.
1: <laughs> I teriyaki and then it got me and now I'm just hungry.
2: Yeah, that I actually. i me angry. I'm you- flaring <laughs> in I'm ordering
1: food right now.
2: That is such a good decision. <laughs> I'm like I should probably low key do that. I'm like, did I eat today? I'm like, no, I did the dumb thing. I did the thing where I forgot to eat.
1: <laughs> you gotta eat.
2: I should probably go do that. Okay. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I'm glad that you're in LA, and I'm sorry that I couldn't invite you over for like. well
1: good next time.
2: Well,
0: yeah. Thank you again.
1: You're welcome. Have a good rest of the day. You good too. rest of, of the meals.
0: Thank you again for listening to this episode of Why Not Both. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to like us and subscribe to us on your preferred podcast platform. You can also come hang out with us on social media. We are at WNBThePodcast, both on Instagram and on Twitter. This season, we are brought to you by Under the Radar magazine. Under the Radar is a nationally distributed print, music, and entertainment magazine and website. You can find them at www.undertheradarmag.com and feel free to support them on Patreon. Extra special thanks to our producer, Laura Studeris, who is literally a rock star. Thanks again, and I look forward to seeing you next episode.